it is. It's $5 a month. You can pay it off your MasterCard, your Visa, your debit card, your PayPal account, however you want, come out automatically $5 a month. And we need 2,000 people to do that. That's why it's called the Army of 2,000. So read the leaflet. Keep it with you. We will have an event coming this Saturday from 4 in the afternoon till 9 in the evening where you can call in to either the church line or the GPA line and we'll set it up for you. If you want to set it up by yourself, it's very, very easy. I've been through it like five or six times this week already showing people how to do it. It's very easy. You go to gpamm.com and you'll see a soldier kneeling down, that soldier right there. You just hit that soldier and when you hit that soldier, it'll take you right there and you'll be able to do that uh, and, and set it up to give $5 a month $5 a month for the next year and we will appreciate that so very much it, I know it doesn't sound like much $5 a month I mean that well, I'm not really helping well actually you are because if we have 2,000 people we figured this up if we have 2,000 people giving just $5 a month we can fully fund what, what, the, uh, what the office needs to do, completely, 100%. We won't ever have to ask a missionary for a dime, and I, I, I couldn't. My dad would come back and haunt me for sure. <laughs> so, so I can't do that, and so for that reason, uh, your $5 a month will make all the difference in the world because uh, everybody's got to get on board to make it work, so appreciate that. All right, just a couple of quick things. WMU meeting uh, is tonight. Is that correct? Tonight at 6 o'clock, WMU meeting. Uh, and also, choir practice tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll all be here for that. Uh, and then the young adults uh, Bible study is January the 20th. That's this Friday at 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. And then, if you want to go with us on the couples retreat, we need... We need uh, to know that. So uh, today, uh, how much is it per room? The, it's $85 for the conference, and then the room is $218 for two nights in the room. And we're staying at the Clarion Inn. It's a very nice place there in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Uh, and uh, so the Clarion Inn, uh, 218 for both nights. Uh, and you can just... Uh, you can just uh, Give the $85 to Helen to say, uh, today or whenever you can, but definitely let her know that you're going because we need to book the rooms this week. So we need to book the rooms this week, and we, and we also need to register you for the conference. So that needs to be done this week. So get that, that done. We'll appreciate it. All right, if you're visiting with us, first time, first time in a long time, never got a visitor packet. If you never got a visitor packet, raise your hand nice and high, and we'll get that to you. Where uh, There we go. Anybody else? We don't want to overlook anybody. There's a visitor card in there. We'd appreciate it a whole lot if you'd take that out and just fill it out and drop it in the offering plate. We'd love to have a record of your visit. All right, anybody else? I don't want to overlook any visitors. All right, if you're here this morning and you need a prayer card, raise your hand nice and high. Uh, prayer card, raise your hand nice and high. We'll, uh, the ushers have the prayer cards ready. Okay, amen. All right. Now, I want to mention one more thing. I said I was just, I was going to say it once, and I wasn't going to say it again, so I don't want to forget to say this. 
Uh, I want to let you know, for many, many years, the GPA has, has, a, has had a presence here. We've had someone working in the office, either part-time or full-time, for many, many years, and we appreciate that. And now, since my father died and, uh, and the 41-year secretary uh, for uh, him and for the secretary for the uh, GPA for as long as it has existed, both of them died within a week of each other last year. Uh, and, uh, and of course our hearts are broken for that but since then we've had to take on a lot more of the responsibility in our office here uh, at the Gospel Preacher Association and I want you to know that we appreciate that uh, for all of these many years we, all of these missionaries on the field they wouldn't be able to be there if it wasn't for us if it wasn't for the Gospel Preacher Association they can't go without the money you, you can't go to the mission field and live if you don't have any money to live there. Oh, and you have to raise your support, and it has to come in. It has to be calculated. It has to be properly divided. It's just a huge task. And, and it seems so mundane sometimes, and that $5 might seem so little. But just think, you're supporting every single one of our missionaries when you do that. Every single one is benefiting when you do that. And so let's praise God that we have the opportunity to make a difference in these missionaries uh, all over the world. And when I think of that, it, because when we started, it was me and dad. Did you know that? When we started, I was the one missionary going to Wales, and uh, Dad ran the thing single-handedly. And um, so my family, we raised the money, and money went through the church at Galilean, and we went to Wales. And now we have all these missionaries all over the world preaching the gospel. Right now today, the gospel is being preached in 17 different countries because of the Gospel Preacher Association. So thank you. God bless you. And I'm going to ask Carrie to come up and lead us in our opening prayer. something to say before I open the prayer. We have a missionary here. Miss Penny, where are you? Would you stand up, please? Where'd she go? That's right, you're in the choir. Would you stand up, please? Here's the biggest missionary we have around here. Every time I see her out in the public, she's got Bible tracts in her hands, passing them out fluidly. And I was at BB's with my wife yesterday, and we're walking into BB's, and guess who's there with Bible tracts? Penny. I think that's tremendous. I think it's tremendous. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for that love that we read in the word of God itself. Thank you, Lord, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish or go to hell but have everlasting life. Lord, now would you just prompt this message across to us. There's probably somebody here who's never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. I pray that that person would hear the gospel this morning through the choir and through the preaching of the word, through the testimony of this church, and get under uh, conviction of sin and trust Christ as their personal savior. Perhaps even come forward during invitation time
and receive him as their Lord. I, Lord, I expect this expectantly from you. It's your grace that's sufficient for this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Page 96. Page 96. Everybody stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. Oh, in Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on changing grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand his oath is covenant his blood Support me in the whelming flood When all around my soul gives way He then is on my hope and stay On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand When he shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne oh in christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground sinking sand. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. We could have our ushers come for our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. I just want to remind you of two things that, uh, one, it's in the bulletin, and that is on Thursday, January the 19th, right? Not the 12th. We're not going to go back in time in the men's devotion. That would be amazing if you could do that. But uh, the 19th, that's this Thursday, 33 men's series will start again. And so they're going to hang out, have the 33 men series, and then have some basketball after that. So we're looking forward to that. And then something else. Uh, the Lord has just blessed us with some men that meet together and are, and are praying for each other. And Ben Wolf has been so faithful to make sure that happens. And our men's prayer group happens between Sunday school and church. And it happens down in what we call the men's prayer room, but it's right downstairs. It's not too hard to find. It's over there down there okay that's there you go you'll find it right but just look for that and you can even ask ben exactly where it is but they pray for the service pray for what's going to happen and we're just thankful for a church that values prayer and is lifting each other up and we're thankful for our ministries that uh, just get men together uh, and what a blessing that's been as well so all right remember those things all right jason would you ask the blessing on the offering
284. Page 284, everybody stay. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the said the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood jesus jesus how i trust him how i proved him more and more jesus jesus precious jesus Oh, for grace to trust him more. Last verse. I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me. Will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, have trust him more. Amen. You may be seated. Good care. 
morning. I, uh, scrolling through Facebook, and this verse just kept on coming up, and I thought this must be the verse of the day, because it just kept on popping up on people sharing it, so I went to it and, and read the passage, and uh, I just, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share it this morning. Psalms 143 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man, live, no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, and hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness, as those that have been long dead. Therefore my spirit overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is desolate. Who here today has ever been in a place like that? where just life is just beating you and your soul is down, your spirit is down. You just feel overwhelmed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hand unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land, Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee. Hide me. The one thing that just popped out to me in reading that is he was, was, the writer was obviously going through a time of difficulty and a time where in his flesh and in his mind, he just, he, he felt like he was alone. He felt uh, like he was in this desert place. He was just overwhelmed by what was going on. But what stuck out to me is he did not turn away from God. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the works of thy hand. I stretch forth my hand. He didn't run away from God. He ran to God. He remembered those things that God had done in the past, how faithful God has been in the past. And he just dwelt on those things. And his mind was fixed on those things. And he found help in the Lord in that moment. I don't know what somebody may be going through today, how overwhelmed you may be, but I don't know. I just feel like the Lord just wanted me to say, don't run from him. Run to him. Run to him. He's just the only source of help. He is the only answer for you in this day. And this song came to mind. And I know April's not here, but uh, Emma's going to do a great job. I know. We're going to sing praise the Lord.
Jesus. 
storm is raging high the waters around them they were troubled that night fear filled their hearts they felt they would die they failed to remember that their master was not then he spoke the words and the winds all stood 
Let's turn this on. There we go. All right, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me. We're going to go back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 28. Uh, we've been in Isaiah for a while, and uh, we're still there. And we're going to be there for a little while longer still, I would imagine. Uh, from, of course, in the month of December, we took time away from that uh, and um, had Christmas themes, and I enjoyed that, always do. Uh, and uh, then, uh, but after Christmas, we're coming back uh, to the book of Isaiah to look at some things as we move on through. We're obviously, we're not going chapter by chapter, but we are looking at some of the major things that we want to see here. And um, we're going to come now to a passage in the 28th chapter that we're going to start reading in verse number uh, 9. We're going to read down and including verse number 14. So 9 to 14, if you want to find that in Isaiah chapter 28. This is a passage that I preached on last year. Uh, not the same message, but it was the same passage that I preached on last year uh, on the opening night of our um, uh, expository conference. And I did that for some, what I felt were pretty obvious reasons. Uh, but uh, we were, the conference was about expository preaching and uh, and that kind of thing, and so that's where I, uh, where I felt like we would really draw something from. But the message today is going to be a little uh, considerably different than that one. If you if you were here that night and you heard that, uh, then we're we're still not going to preach the same sermon, but we are going to use the same passages of scripture, especially uh, the part that's in the middle of the chapter. But I wanted to say this before we read this passage and and uh, and started into the sermon. This is, a very, uh, this is a very pivotal passage, not only for, for the book of Isaiah, but it is really a pivotal passage for the entire scriptures, for the whole word of God. Now, I know that all of the word of God is, uh, is important. It's all equally inspired. There's nothing in the word of God that doesn't belong there. I understand that. However, there are some passages in the scripture that are principles almost like foundation stones. And if you don't understand this foundation here, if you don't understand this, what this is about, then it's hard to build on it. But if you understand it, then you can build. You remember, the uh, Jesus said when, you, when we get to heaven, he said, you know what, some of you, your, your whole works are going to be burned up. Uh, you're going to be saved as if by fire, but your works are going to be burned up. Well, why is that? Why, will, why is it that they made it to heaven, they had true salvation, but none of their works counted? Because they built their works in the wrong way. And the worst thing you can do about building something is to build on an unsettled or an unsure foundation. And so if you've got the right foundation, then you can build something that's worthwhile and strong and steadfast. Uh, and that's, that, is, that is a part of what we're going to notice today when we look at this passage of Scripture. So if you found verse 9 of chapter number 28 in the book of Isaiah, stand with us please in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. 
For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the word of God this morning. We pray that you might open our ears, that we might hear it, open our hearts, that we might receive it, and speak, dear Lord, we pray, uh, in the innermost part of our soul, that we might take what we hear and learn today and apply it in our life, and we'll be careful to give you the praise, for we ask it all in Jesus' name, and for his sake, amen, and you may be seated. So, this passage of scripture, there's an awful lot of background that goes with it. Uh, there's an awful lot of stuff that we could talk about because the first time that these words appear, line upon line and precept upon precept, the first time they appear in this passage there in verse number 10, uh, and they're presented in a mocking fashion, and then later on, then it is Isaiah who is speaking these words, uh, and he is saying, "This is the truth. This is a settled. Uh, uh, this is a settled, for sure, uh, settled truth." So when we when we look at it, there's a lot of background that we could learn about it. But we went through that before when we discussed it that uh, that night in the meeting, uh, and so I'm not going to go back there. You can go back and get that message. It's uh, recorded, I'm sure, and you can go back and get it in the archive and you can listen to it and it'll give you all of that background. But I do want to back up to verse 1 and following just for a moment because there is part of this background that we do need to be aware of to understand the message this morning. So in verse number 1, he says, Isaiah writes, and he says, Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and a strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, uh, the, the drunkard of Ephraim shall be trodden underfoot, and the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower, and as a hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. So what is, what is going on here in the beginning of this? Isaiah is prophesying the fall of Ephraim. And Ephraim, 
uh, is just an, another phrase uh, or another term for the northern kingdom. Ephraim was the strongest of all the northern tribes. And being the strongest of the tribes, it is the one that, uh, that had the most ruling clout, if you would. The, the, the most ability to rule over uh, the other tribes. And so Ephraim is, uh, is another way of saying the northern kingdom or the northern tribes of Israel. And so Isaiah is now predicting that they're going to come to a great calamity, uh, a great destruction. Not long ago, I was uh, uh, watching a documentary on, uh, on Berlin after World War II. It was an interesting documentary, actually, because uh, I never even, it never even dawned on me what it would have been like you know, after the war is over in Berlin. Uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, kind of for a long time, I kind of had the idea that well, they started the war. Why should we worry about what, what happened to them? But it was very interesting to watch the documentary and, uh, and, and see what was going on. The city of Berlin, when you looked at it from any distance at all, if you, you were up above it and you were looking out over the city of Berlin, and there are several, quite a few aerial pictures of the, uh, nearly the entire city, and you would look at that and you would say, that is totally destroyed. There's nothing. I mean, it looked as if the entire city was in ruins. Total and utter destruction. But when you got closer in, and this is what I was learning in this documentary, as you looked closer into the city, you found that only about 70% of the buildings were totally and completely destroyed. Now, that's a lot in a city the size of Berlin. But, but still, there was, there was about 30% of the buildings that were at least somewhat usable. Some of them were still intact, uh, and uh, other than cracks in the walls and, uh, and uh, things had been smashed around and that kind of thing. But as far as the structure, it was still in good shape, and people lived in those buildings. And they would walk through the rubble to get to those places where they lived. And then there were a lot of buildings that were commercial buildings or government buildings or office buildings that were destroyed partially, but, then, but not the whole thing. And so they would walk through uh, the front doors, as it were, that were in ruins, and there weren't, the walls wouldn't even reach three feet high, but they would keep going, and then they would find some places in that building where offices had been reestablished and people were continuing to work. It was really an amazing thing to see all of these people, a great number of people were living in Berlin while it looked like, from a distance, there's nothing, there's nothing here. It's totally destroyed. This is the picture that Isaiah is, he is giving us this kind of a picture of the northern kingdom and especially Ephraim. He is saying, when God is done with you, you're going to be living in the rubble. You're going to be surviving in a place that looks like it's not even worthy. It's not even uh, worth bothering with. You might as well forget it uh, and, and leave it. But that's what you're going to be left with after the destruction that God brings upon Ephraim. Now, with that said, and keeping that in mind, I want us to go down and look. Our text is verse number 13. Uh, and it is uh, most, of the, uh, most of the verses what I want to look at. In verse number 13, we read these words. He says, but the word of the Lord was unto them, and this is Isaiah speaking, and he's saying to them, 
You mocked this, but you missed the truth. You made fun of the, uh, of the learning process, and you said, I'm like, a, I'm like a little baby if you expect me to learn this way, when in reality, this is what you should have been doing. And this is what he says. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. This is the way Isaiah is saying that you should learn the word of God. There is a pattern to this. As a matter of fact, there's two principles to learning the Word of God, and that's what we want to talk about a little bit this morning. What is the first principle? The first principle of learning the Word of God is the principle of the precept. And we need to understand this because in the day and in the age in which we live, there is nothing going to help us more than to fully comprehend this principle of the precept. What is a precept? Uh, you, you may have a, a wrong idea or thought about it, but a precept is simply something that is given that has the authority of a, that has great authority behind it. Uh, for instance, sometimes when I'm reading and studying, I'll look up a word, and uh, I'm sure most of you do this now. I, I don't get a dictionary out very often. Instead, I go online, and I just, uh, I just type in the word, say definition, and then it gives me the definition of the word. But sometimes, sometimes I'm reading the definition of a word that I found on the Internet, and I'm thinking, you know what? <clears throat> I don't think that's really what this means. I mean, it, it may be close, it may be similar, but I, I'm not sure what it means. So when that happens, I go and get my Webster's Dictionary. I've got a big Webster's Dictionary in my office, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's old. I mean, the book itself is not more than maybe 25 or years old or so, but the, but the printing of that book was a long, long time ago. And so I go back and I get that Webster's Dictionary that I've got, and, I, and then I look it up in that book, take the time to look it up, and find out what Daniel Webster said this word meant, uh, you know, 100 years ago. What, what, did, what, what was the beginning of the understanding of the meaning of this word? Now, you know why I do that? Because the original meaning of that word is what that word is supposed to mean. Now, you can make it mean something else, uh, and, and, and it can be part of the colloquialism, or it can be part of, uh, uh, of the, uh, the provincial area. It may carry a little bit different meaning. But if you want to know what that word is supposed to mean, what it was intended to mean from the beginning, then you go back to the dictionary that gives it. Now, when we are looking at a precept, we are looking at something that is given to us that has an ultimate or a powerful authority behind it. And I am telling you that when you open the Word of God, when you take Take your King James Bible and you open it up to read it. Uh, if you're reading along with us uh, and you're going to read uh, some chapters at the end of Ex uh, at the end of Genesis or the beginning of Exodus today, I want you to be aware that this is perfect, completely uh, given to us without error, without problem, without difficulty. It is 100% truth given to us from God Himself. This precept was given to us by the ultimate authority. This is the one. Have you ever been somewhere? <laughs> I've done this many times, more times than I would like to admit. Been somewhere and I'm not satisfied with what the 
what the clerk's saying or whatever, and I say, is your manager here? You ever done that? Or have you ever said to somebody, is there somebody above you? Is this, can I talk to your boss? Why do you say that? Because you don't like the answer that you're getting and you think it's probably wrong. And you might be right. But nonetheless, you want a higher authority to give you an answer. When you turn to the Word of God, there is no higher authority. You, this is the ultimate. This is the end. And, and it's very important that you understand this. And, and, and could I say something to the young people today? Uh, there, there's an awful lot out there. Uh, there, there's an awful lot of concepts and ideas, and I know, I know. I, I, listen, I, uh, the first time I heard somebody use the word woke, I was like, what in the world are they talking about? I'm not talking about being woke up in the morning. I'm talking about being woke, you know. Uh, and, and I'm like, wow, that is the weirdest thing in the world. And so we've got these concepts that are coming to us, but are they true? Well, I mean... If the professor at the college says it's true, it's got to be true. Wrong. You know, if the guy on TV says it, it's got to be true. Well, that's wrong. If I read it on the internet, it's got to be true. Well, that's wrong. But if you read it in the Bible, it's got to be true. And it's important to understand that this is your authority. You're not going to get it somewhere else. Your friends and, your, uh, and the students that you're going to uh, college or our university with, they don't have the answers God does. I, and, and it's really important that we not buy into what the world is trying to teach us because the Word of God is the precept that was given to us by God Himself. Precept upon precept. You, do you see now why I say that this is foundational? Why this passage of scripture is as is, is fundamental to our understanding of the rest of the word of God? Because it's a precept that we're reading. It is something that is given to us with great authority. No greater authority at all. And then, let me, let me just mention something else. So, let me put it this way, okay? So there was a time uh, in the early church when uh, the New Testament especially was being carefully copied out by the apostles and the disciples that followed them. And they were copying them carefully. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Christians were often called, especially in the first and second century, they were called people of the book. You know why they were called people of the book or people of the books? The reason they were called that is because they protected their sacred writings unto death. They literally protected those writings unto death. Sometimes they would give uh, the gospel, of, maybe it might be the gospel of John. And may, maybe it might be uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. Or it might be some other uh, precious uh, book of the New Testament uh, that they had. And the congregation would meet together and they would read it uh, from it. And when they would get through reading it, they would give it to someone that the congregation felt they could trust. Okay? Here you go, Harry. This is the pastor's songbook. Pastor's book. Okay? This is my songbook. Thanks to me. 
Stand up, Harry. Hey, Harry, this is the book. Now, that's the real book, but you get the... I'm going to give you this book because I trust you. Because later on during the week, somebody's going to come up to him, and they're... Now, put that book down on the... Yeah. They're going to come up, and they're going to go, you've got the book. I know you've got the book. You've got to give me the book. They want the book. They want to burn it. So what's Harry going to say? What are you going to say, Harry? You know, oh, you're, you're lying to me. I know you got the book. I, I, you're a Christian and you're lying to me. You walked right out of the synagogue. You had the book. I don't want it burned. You don't want it burned. Well, give it to me. I'm going to burn it. It's not up to you. What are you? Show me where you got it. Okay, can I trust Harry? No way, Jose. Forget him. We just had a... Gospel of John just got burned. Michael, I'm going to give you the book. You stand up and hold the book. That's, you're supposed to protect that book. Now hide it. Hide that book. <laughs> I'll never find it now. <laughs> you got the book. You, you know what book I'm talking about. You got that book. If you don't give me that book, we're going to burn you at the stake. Hey, Harry, come up here. We're going we're gonna to burn him at the stake. We're going to tie him up. You're going to tell us where the book is. Tell us where the book is. And so you know what they did? They put, they put wood all around him up to about his knees. Then they stacked it a little further out and further. And then they lit it right up close to him. And they burned him to a stake. Why? Because he hid the book. He wouldn't let him have it. You can go sit down now. When you pick up your book in the morning and you open it up and you start reading the book of Exodus or you start reading the book of John or you start, start reading the book of Romans, you remember there were hundreds. Yay. Thousands that died for that book. They died for what you're holding in your hand. You can buy them in any bookstore. You can order it from Amazon. You can get a thousand copies and send them to Central America today. But there was a time when the book was so precious, it was so important that they gave their lives. You know what happened to the Harrys? That gave up the book. You know what happened to them? The church rejected them after the persecution. Rejected. They weren't allowed to teach. They weren't allowed to preach. They weren't allowed to propagate the gospel. They weren't allowed to take from the living of the... See, pastors and preachers, many of them lived from what the congregation gave. They didn't give them the money anymore. They, they withdrew it all. Why? Because they were, their life was more important to them than this book. But this book is more important than any single life. It's more important. This is the authority. When you read this book, you remember those that died. And let me tell you, it, doesn't, it wasn't just some of the pastors. There were hundreds and hundreds of pastors that died and preachers and proclaimers of the gospel that died. But many of them, their wives died with them. Their wives said, if he's going, I'm going too. It's recorded, folks. They they gave up their lives because they knew 
as soon as he was gone, she would probably know where the book was. So they went ahead and filled them both. Filled them both, looking for the book. You know what happened? You know what happened to this blessed old book? You know what happened to this wonderful Bible that we hold in our hands? When they started burning them at the stake, you know what started happening? They started copying them with every ounce of energy within themselves. Anybody that could read or write, anybody that was literate, was given the job of helping to copy the books. Do you know why we have such an accurate word of God? Because there were so many copies left over. They thought they were destroying the book. (laughs) We got three copies of Plato's works from antiquity. (laughs) We have... 1,500 full copies of the New Testament from antiquity. Why? Why the big difference? Because they tried to stamp the book out, and there were so many men and women who loved the book more than life itself. You remember that when you're reading your Bible. The principle of the precept. It's the authoritative word of God. What's the other principle? Well, it's the, it's the easy one, really. It's the one, it's the principle of the line. You know, have you ever heard somebody say, I don't know if you have, they they don't say it much anymore, but down south especially, and my father was a lover of poetry, so I, I, I remember hearing him say it. Somebody quote a few lines. Somebody quote a few lines. You ever heard that? How about, how about giving us a few lines of that hymn? Give us a few lines of that poem. Give us a few lines of the Word of God. What's he talking about? He's talking about words that are arranged so that we might have them and keep them in our memory. That's why, that's why poetry is written in lines. That's why songs are lit, written in verse. And that's why the Word of God today is written in verses, uh, uh, kept in verse 2, so that we might keep it. Where, where, what are we going to do with it? What is, this, what is this line all about? What does he say? That you're blessed if you hide the Word in your heart that you might not sin against God. That's what the line is. That's a word That's a a group of words or a sentence or a paragraph that you're going to hold in your heart and in your memory. People say, well, we don't really need to memorize today. It's so easy. We have, the, we have iPads and uh, smartphones and, and, and com- uh, laptop computers. We can, everything is right at our fingertips. Let me tell you something. The Word of God is still worth memorizing. It's still worth having some in your heart. Still want it. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and bring you unto myself. That where I am there, you may be also. That's a, those are lines that I will never lose. They could burn every Bible in my office and in my home. They could lock me in solitaire. But I've got those lines. I've got them. I won't lose them. There are many others like that that I have, and I'm, I'm so grateful that God gave me just a little bit of an ability to memorize some of the Word of God so that one of these days, if I need it, and it's not handy to me, somebody smashed my smartphone, somebody stole my iPad, somebody burned my book, but they can't take it out of my heart. Take the precepts 
in the Bible and put those lines in your memory. The principles of learning, the precept and the line. The precept and the line. Now, I, I say this because if we put these two things together, if we take the precept and we take the line and we put it together, then what we have is called expository study or expository preaching. And that simply means this. It means to take the precept and the line and expose exactly what it means so that you can know exactly, I mean, know exactly what it says so that you can understand exactly what it means. If you know what the Bible says, then you can learn what it means. But if you don't know what it says, you'll never know what it means. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. If, if you don't know it, then you can't put it into practice. Amen? If you don't know this principle, if you don't have this line, if you don't have it committed in your heart or in your mind, you don't, you've never taken the time to read and know the Word of God, then you're never going to know what it means. And you can't know what it means if you're going to live the Christian life. Why? 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 Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. The ruin of Ephraim was coming. It was on its way. There was no turning back the judgment of God on Ephraim. And why were they being judged? One very simple reason. They rejected the teaching of the word of God. They wouldn't have them. They followed other gods. They, they followed idols. They, 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 had, uh, they had the groves and, and they had the uh, images that they made and they fell down. And, and Isaiah mocked them one time. He said, you fall down and you're worshiping this, this idol that's made out of wood, but the rest of that wood you burn up in the, in the fire. It heated your home. <laughs> so that, that you burn up and heat your home, the rest of it you're going to take and make a god out of it? He said, and then Isaiah said this, he said, that God can't hear and that God can't talk. But I, I serve a God that hears me and I serve a God that speaks. <laughs> he hears me and he speaks. That's the God of the Bible. That's Jehovah. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in my heart. That's the God that I serve. He's the God that can hear me when I pray and he can speak to me and show me the way to go. That's why they were being destroyed. Now, you may disagree with me. And I love the United States. I love, I love America. I love our country. And, I, and I, I've been doing a little study of the Revolutionary War thanks to a book that Brother Harry gave me. And I'm about halfway through that book now, Brother Harry. Uh, but I've been reading that book and, uh, along with two other books. But anyway, I, I've been reading that book and it's, it's caused me, uh, I read a couple of chapters and then I go look some other stuff up about it because it's all about the local, the, uh, local area during the Revolutionary War. And, I, uh, and, and it's, it's thrilling to me to read and understand all that. I love our nation. But let me tell you something. Our nation is coming apart. Our nation is being destroyed before our very eyes. 
We are coming to ruin. And do you want to know why? Because our nation reject the word of, rejected the word of God. First we said we don't want God in the schools. Then we don't want God in the doctor's office. Let me tell you something. That, that unseen, unknown, hidden child in the womb of that young lady is the image of God. And it deserves life. It's sacred. And this country, we're paying the price. What we're doing. We're pay so I, every time I hear, every time there's a mass shooting, and there's one about every other week, sometimes even more often than that, every time there's a mass shooting, what do they say? Why? Why? Let me tell you, I, and maybe you've said it, and maybe even I've said it, I don't know, but I've come to understand that's about the dumbest question anybody could ever ask. What do you mean, why? You're going to throw the Bible out of the, out of the government? You're going to throw the Bible out of the school? You're going to remove any teaching about, uh, about Christianity or God or Jesus Christ? Or, uh, or you're going to take that, all of that out of the university system and not even be allowed to speak of it uh, in the walls of academia? And then you're going to kill as many babies as you can? And then you're going to wonder why the nation is coming apart? Let me tell you something. The nation is paying the price for turning their back on God. It's the same principle that Isaiah was talking about in chapter number 28. Ephraim, you got to pay for rejecting God. United States, you're going to pay for rejecting God. But it goes further than that. Billy Jones going to pay if you reject God. Linda, you're going to pay if you reject God. Whoever you are, whatever your walk of life, however intelligent you may be, however strong a mark you made on history, if you reject God, you'll pay the price. God meant it. God meant it to Ephraim, and by the way, they were destroyed. You can go back and read the history of it. They were destroyed. They were completely destroyed. Now, the southern kingdom was too, but not nearly the severity that the, the northern kingdom was wiped out. It's, it, I mean, it was wiped out. Never, never to come around again, the northern kingdom was. They rejected God over and over and over again, I'm going to use Michael's favorite word. Guess what? Guess what? Now God rejects them. God rejects them. The United States kept saying, no, we don't want God. No, we don't want God. You know what? It was funny to me after one of these shootings, I remember. They were all praying. You remember that? And they were standing on the steps because they're not allowed to pray inside and I stand on the stuff and I thought it's a little late don't you think a little late you threw God out in 1963 and now you think it's time to get right with God after all this time folks it's personal too accept Christ and receive the joy of salvation reject Christ receive what hell has to offer. The preacher, that is so blunt. Praise 
God, it's simple. Amen? Because if it weren't simple, how many of us would go to hell if we weren't smart enough? You had to be so smart to go to heaven, I'd be left out. You had to be really good looking, Delmer would have never made it. <laughs> Sorry, Delmer, I couldn't help you. If you had to have hair, I would have never made it. No, no. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. You trust Christ. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. Just put your faith in Him. If you'll do that, He'll save you and forgive you, take you home to glory to be with Him. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the message. We pray you'd speak to us from its truth. Touch us, we pray, in our life. Guide us as we try to serve you. And if there, there are those here today, and I'm sure there are, they're not ready to face eternity. They're not ready in their condition to meet God. I pray they would not put off another day, not even another hour. I pray this morning, this very day, that walk an aisle, trust Jesus Christ, and be born into the family of God. We pray it in your precious and holy name. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us. How best beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. Sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that. But